Morning, Gateway. All right. So uh, I died twice this week. Yeah, seriously, died twice. Kind of. I don't have a, like a really cool heaven story, but I know I was there because there weren't any cats. Like that's the, the first clue you've made it. It's true. <laughs> I won't be shamed into wrong thinking. Um, I was really kind of working through it this week on giving this message. Um, because of the events of the week, they said, look, you, you, you can't get your heart elevated. You can't do things that are going get, to get you excited, you know. And so only two things really get me that way. It's when I preach about Jesus and when I watch the Cleveland Browns. So today is going to be like the ultimate test. Keep me monitored. Keep me monitored. Um, I did switch this message up this week, uh, Thursday or Friday. I had a message all planned, and I was prepared to give it, and then the event happened, which I'll share with you. Um, and I had to change it. So, I called Terry, or texted with Terry, because, you know, they do the worship songs ahead of time. I already had my talk lined up. So, he texted me, just said he was praying for me, and um, I said, hey, I think I, I need to change the message, so I hope this doesn't affect things, but this is what I need to speak on. This is what I feel the Lord has given me. And he said, well, the songs are about Jesus, so as long as your message has Jesus in it, you're probably going to be all right. Turns out it worked out pretty good. Um, because it was a late switch, I worked on this mostly all day yesterday. I'm just going to ask you for a little grace. I feel like I feel shackled to my notes <laughs> because I like to walk, you know? I like to walk around, but I, I had, didn't have time to kind of go over it and recite and memorize, and so just extend a little grace to me today, please. Jesus, this is a tough message. It's going to be tough to give. I just ask you give me the courage and the strength and not shrink away from what you've given me. I, I trust it's from you. Help me to do it with love, compassion. Lord, that they would only hear what you want them to hear. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. That's 200 beats a minute. 200 heartbeats a minute, that's what it sounds like. It's really fast. Tuesday morning, I got up like I normally do. I, I got in the car, I was on my way to the gym, and halfway to the gym, I, 
it just felt like something popped in my chest, you know. And my heart just started flying. I mean, I could tell instantly it was off the charts fast. 200 beats a minute is pretty fast. Anybody that knows anything about the heart, if I'm just driving to the gym, like I haven't, this is pre-workout, pre-worried about what the day is going to bring, I should be around 68 to 70 is mine, resting heart rate. And it was at 200 beats per minute. I was, like any man would do, I just went to the gym anyway, right? I went to the gym. Now, I was smart enough not to work out. I chose not to do that, but I, I did go to the gym. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, probably not a good idea to just jump on a treadmill while my heart's already at max and beyond. So, long story short, I, I, I got dressed and I was cold sweats and, you know, you start getting clammy and then, kind of like, you know, I probably better at least stop home on my way to work and let my wife know, this is going on. Just in case at work I collapse, you can know. <laughs> and being the good wife, yes, that she is, she said, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Called the doctor, they checked my pulse. Uh, couldn't get a read on it. I mean, they felt it, but it was too fast to count, you know, unless you want to go by tens. It was like 10, 20, 30, yeah, like that. Um, they called in the paramedics. Paramedics came to my house. They had me wired up. I looked like something out of a futuristic sci-fi movie. EKG monitors, everything. And uh, they're like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to get you in. It's like 200 beats a minute. We can't get it to stop. They tried a couple things. It didn't work. Rushed me into the ER. They had a room waiting for me. And it really didn't hit me how serious it was until there were like 10 doctors and physicians and nurses around me. And I was like, whoa, this is serious business. And they hooked me up and they had the paddles ready. They said, look, we're going to do this, this, and this. If this doesn't work, we're going to put you to sleep. We're going to shock your body to get your heart to stop and kind of restart it again. I was like, please, Lord, just let this first, this first round of tricks work. But they basically uh, they hooked me into an IV, and they shot this drug called adenosine into my heart, which shuts your heart off. It stops your heart. And then the second booster shots regenerate your heart. It's, it is, it's painful. It's not fun. Like, if you've ever had your heart stop, you know. Like, death. I felt like I was going to die. And I really felt worse when the doctor was looking at the screen. He was like, yeah, it didn't change anything. <laughs> it didn't change much. We're going to double the dose. Hit him again. I was like, if this doesn't work, just take me. Like, I'm prepared to meet the Lord. I am, although I got a lot of things on earth I do want to accomplish, and I wasn't ready to go. But I think my wife saved my life. They said, man, if you if you would have driven to work, like your heart eventually is going to say, I'm done, that's it. And just stop. I could have been anywhere. She's wise. But I want to share this with you because this is the awesomeness of God. I was on the operating table getting injections at 8.05 in the morning and by 10 o'clock I was walking out of the hospital with Santi and Pastor Joel, snapping selfies, waving, laughing. Under two hours, I was out. Isn't that amazing? 
Like, I, I had people praying for me everywhere, church. I had people across the country praying for me. Kirsten's making calls, and those calls make calls, and my mom's, you know, I mean, it just, it spreads like that. But before it even got to, like, the, the, the meat of the prayer change, I was walking out of the hospital. And it could have been so much different. Didn't have to have that ending, but something supernatural happens when the saints rally. True? Like when we are all together and it's like, Lord, please. And I know he was probably so overwhelmed with the prayers, he could not not listen. And I say that half-jokingly, God does what he wants, but I know he heard those prayers. I'm here today before you because you guys prayed for me. And the Lord is in it. God is still in the business of performing miracles. I really believe that. I don't, th- I don't count anything coincidence. You can say, yeah, but they were trained. That's their job. They had the equipment. You were in the right place at the right time. Man, you steal glory from God when you do that. Don't do that. Thank you, Lord, for fixing this. Today I want to ask you, what's the condition of your heart? Because we all have a heart condition. All of us in here have a heart condition. We're all on the operating table. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some versions of the Bible even say wicked. The heart is wicked. Not some people's hearts, not, not this guy's heart, the heart. Anybody in here not have a heart? There's a few I, I was thinking about this morning. <laughs> we all have a heart. The Bible says that's desperately sick. But as with anything, we have to admit when we have a problem, don't we? That's why one of the things you do when you go to an Alcoholics Anonymous program or programs like that, you stand, you say your name, and you say, look, I have an addiction, I have an issue, I have a struggle, and you got to believe that. Like, you have to believe what you're saying. We can say, i got a heart condition, and it's just words. Or we can say, Look, I I seriously have a heart condition. I'm messed up. But we have to believe that. We we really have to believe it when we say it. So there's three things I want to do in the message. I want us all to, on your own, independently, make a statement. I want us all to independently ask a question or answer a question. And then lastly, I want all of us to make a decision. You alright with that? First one is the statement then. The statement I want you to make is this. I have a heart condition. Now wait, I don't, that's not, I don't want to do it in unison. If we have a room full of people saying it and like 30 of you mean it. This is a self-examination. If you feel like you know you've got a heart condition then you say it. But this is between you and the Lord. It is not to become more righteous than your neighbor by showing hands or whatever. This is something you have to do for yourself. 
in your relationship with the Lord, you've got to be honest with yourself. I have a heart condition. I've done the self-examination. I know I have it. I have a heart condition. I know that most of you, probably all of you have it because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So something in here isn't right. It says all. I'm just admit it. <laughs> I got a heart problem. When my heart started racing, I was going nuts. I, 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 I went to the gym. <laughs> How crazy is that? I went to the gym. Because I didn't want to admit I had a problem. I'm like, I know something's off, but I'm just going to get there. Eventually, no one's going to notice. It'll go away. I didn't want to admit I had a heart problem. Do you know the word heart shows up 830 times in the Bible? King James Version. 830 times, that's more than the word heaven, more than the word hell combined. Why do you think that is? Because it's a pretty vital organ, isn't it? It's a pretty important part of our makeup. If I lose an arm tomorrow morning, guess what? Right? Not so bad. I mean, it's not ideal. But I got one more. My leg, no worries. I can hop. Lung, kidney, ear, eye. But your heart, you got one. You got one. And the heart gives life. The heart gives life, doesn't it? No heart, no life. Or a heart that's in poor condition is going to equate to a poor life, is it not? And just like the heart can give life, the heart can rob life. The heart can rob life. How can the heart rob you of life? The heart robs us when we embrace or harbor bitterness. When we allow our ego to edge out God. When we are envious. When we hold people captive in our heart for doing wrong to us. Right? When we, when we don't forgive because that person hurt me, whether intentional or non-intentional. It hurts us when we get angry, right? Let that angry train come running past here. We're like, I got tickets. I got tickets. And you get to that stop and you get in your big comfy chair on the angry train and take it all the way to angry town. We do that, don't we? The heart can rob us when we're not lined up with the, with the heart of the Lord. The heart can give life, but man, the heart can rob you too. And here's what the thing about the heart is. It's so easy to hide, isn't it? Like, you see me. I see you. But I can't see your heart. You have no idea what is in my heart right now. None. You're like, he's preaching. He's probably okay. Uh, I've seen him laugh a few times. He, he might be an all right guy. I'm going to let it pass. You have no idea what's going on in here, do you? It's easy to hide. Reminds me of uh, Mark 11. 
You guys remember the story of Jesus and the fig tree, some of you? Jesus is hungry. He, he, he wants something to eat, and he sees off in the distance this fig tree. And, and through my study, I, I, I understand that in Palestine, in that, in that area, in fig trees, when it's time for the fruit to come, the leaves are already there. Then the fruit shows up. So Jesus sees this fig tree, probably recognizes it from the leaves in the distance, and goes up to the fig tree, and guess what? No figs. No figs. I don't know what a fig is. It must be pretty good because he was upset. A fig newton is about as close as I've ever come, I think. It looked like a fig tree, but there wasn't any fruit on it. It acted like a fig tree. It served one Sunday in the cafe, but... Oh, boy. It taught a Sunday school lesson to children, but... It preached, but we don't know what's going on in here. God does. We can, we, we can fool a lot of people into thinking we are more holy, more righteous than we are, but whew, God knows. God is not fooled by you or me. He sees your heart about as clearly as I see you and, and about as clearly as you see me. There is nothing concealed from your Father's eyes. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, if you, I should have told you to get there, if you can find it right before Kings in your Bibles or in your device. I didn't do slides, and I'm sorry. It was just such a quick turn of events. And Julie, you know, she needed an answer on Friday, and I'm like, I, I don't, look, I don't know what direction I'm going. Just This is the title of the message. This is the verse you can use, and we'll figure it out. I'm not going to do any slides. It was just too fast. But 1 Samuel 16, 7. Now, basically what's happening here is the Lord has asked Samuel to go find the next king. Go to Jesse's house. He's got a bunch of boys running around over there. One of them is next. Go find him. And when he gets there, he's like, oh, oh, definitely. This dude right here has got it going on. This is God's man right here. I can tell because he serves in the nursery. I can tell because he is on the elder board. I can tell because he's a deacon. He's a whatever. He's like, that, that guy right there has it. And God's like, nope. My, my anointing is not for him. He goes down through the list of brothers. There's seven brothers that just, I mean, it's ridiculous. The story's amazing. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance on the, or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the what? On the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. I don't care whether you don't serve anywhere in this church. If you're new, maybe this is your first time coming here. Maybe you serve in every capacity there is. Whatever it is, 
we all have a heart condition. Whether, whether you're just in for a routine checkup and the doctor's got a stethoscope on you and he's like, nah, not too bad. Or you're all out, open heart surgery, pacemaker, whatever. And anything in between, we all have a heart condition. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. The truth is, God sees our heart. And because He does, He also sees through fake smiles, fake laughter, fake hugs, fake handshakes. He sees past the persona that we present to everyone else. I'm talking myself here. Like, I've given fake handshakes. I've laughed when I didn't feel like it. Laughed at somebody's joke, person I didn't even care for. (laughs) We all do it. God sees right through that stuff. He sees through to our hardened hearts. Does He not? He sees through to hearts that delight in gossip. He sees through to hearts that thrive on disunity, if that's a word. He sees hearts that are not concerned about the things of God. I don't know if that's you. This is self-examination time. I ran my self-examination. I'm hurting. I'm struggling in some places, church. I'm not going to, I don't have time on earth to lie about it. This is what God calls the hardening of the heart. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. This is Paul. Now he's speaking to the church at Ephesus. The church. Paul is speaking to the church. Here's what he says. Now this I say in testifying the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Stop walking like the world. Is what Paul's saying to the church. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. We have the most beautiful, amazing message out of any organization on the planet. The free gift of salvation through the, through the crucifixion, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the best message anyone has. Better than the brownies. It's better than any politician. Better than the Cub Scouts. It's the best message there is. And we've got the best tool to use. The best sales tool. We have hope. And no one else can offer you hope. No one else can offer you hope. No other religion's deity can save themselves. Jesus is the way. He is the hope we have, is he not? We got the best, best message. We've got the best tool. And the church is shrinking. How is that possible? I should not be able to step on that chair and walk to that chair and walk to that chair. How is this happening? Because we walk as Gentiles do. Our hearts have been hardened. 
We aren't concerned with the things of the Lord. Maybe you are. I haven't been all in on that. I'm a work in progress. And that's the honest truth. We have let things creep into our heart that don't belong there. And we're just okay with it. I mean, we're all right with these empty seats. It's okay. It just gives us more room. We cannot be okay with that. This is not okay. It's, it's not okay. We can't be complacent, church. In Revelations 3, Jesus, you know, he he's pens these letters to the church. And one of the church he's writing to is the church of Laodicea. And what he says, is, I mean, it's really hard to read it. But he says, look, you're, you're, not, uh, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're just, you're lukewarm. Because you got to the point where you decided, we don't need you. We're fine on our own. We don't need, we don't need you here. And he's, he, in the letter, he's like, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm. You're like, man, you're just complacent. You could really care less. He says, I, I really, it just makes me want to puke, is, is crass way of saying it. But that's what he says. You make me want to throw up. A hot cup of coffee is awesome, isn't it, in the morning? Hot cup of coffee, hot cup of tea. I like it. A cold drink on a hot day is, is refreshing, is it not? But who drinks lukewarm stuff? Like room temperature besides my kids. I, I kid you not, they'll open a Pepsi sitting on the counter for a week. Like, how do you do that? Whose kids are you, man? You don't belong to me. You might be saying... Tom, I, I disagree with you. I, I am not lukewarm. The church is not lukewarm. I'm not saying this is something you've got to deal with the Lord on in your own heart. We all make up the church. This is something for you to do directly with the Lord. I've run my self-diagnostic test. I need help in some areas. Is your giving lukewarm? That's rhetorical. Don't shout out anything. Is your volunteering lukewarm? Is your, is your inviting, your, your personal invitations to people to come to church, is that lukewarm? I can do better about inviting people. I can. I have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in it, man. I mean, I'm just inviting. And there are times where I'm just like, I haven't invited anybody in a long time. Summer Blitz is a program we do for our kids, for the youth. It's through the summer. We do every weekend as a fun activity. They had like this gigantic water slide out back. You can't even imagine. It's a blast. The kids love it. And what it is, it's a time for them to invite friends who maybe aren't familiar with church. Maybe they have only come a couple times. Or maybe they're just, let's pull them in with some fun first and then let's get them into church. We had two, two kids come this summer that I'm aware of to 
Where do you think they learn how to invite people to church? Where do you think they learn that? They learn it from us. They learn it from watching us, their parents. If we're not inviting people, if we're lukewarm in our invitations to church, we can't expect our kids to invite anybody. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but lukewarm is not a good place to be. John Piper, I I love this quote from him, but he says, Our problem is not that we lack the light, but that we love the dark. Any truth in that? There is for me. Sometimes. This is the hardness of our hearts. So how do we improve? How do we get better? How do we, how do we get our hearts to a good place? Well, we have to work it out. Do we not? Is that how we get a healthy heart? We work out. you got to exercise your heart. This is how we get better. A healthy heart requires exercise. And the best way that I know how to do that is by going deeper and deeper and deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way I know how to regenerate. Time with Jesus will erode that black, hard part of your heart. <sighs> Answer is always Jesus, isn't it? Answer is always Jesus, man. Matthew 19, 16, and 22. You guys remember the rich guy that shows up on the scene? Jesus is there. And he's like, hey, uh, I want to know how to get to heaven. And Jesus is like, all right, well, kind of in the middle of something here, but if you got to know, just obey all the commands. You'll be in good shape. Guy's like, oh, I've done all that. Now, right off, the guy's a liar. Right? Sermon on the Mount has already happened, so Jesus has already said, look, even if you don't murder somebody, just being angry with somebody is kind of off the charts. Dude said, well, I'm not a liar. I've obeyed that. That's a lie. Either way, let's pretend like he's telling the truth. Jesus is talking to me. He says, obey all the commands. You're going to be all right. He's like, I've done all that. What else? Jesus is like, all right, fine. Sell all your stuff. Come and follow me. And Scripture says dude just went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. He just had a lot of stuff, so, so he went away sad. But why did Jesus do that to him? And shouldn't Jesus be a little bit more engaging? Like some of the stuff I read in Scripture, I can't stand what Jesus does. I don't like what he says. I don't like his tone. I'm just being honest. I hate some of the stuff he says, but he's like, look, Guy wanted to know the most expedient way to get from point A to point B. That's it. So everything in between, he didn't, have a, he didn't care for. What do I have to do with that when I'm about relationships? When I'm about investing in your heart, in you, trying to, to, to learn what you can from me and about me. If you don't want any of that, i got no time for you. That's why you turned him away. That's why he went away sad. He didn't want to put in that work. He didn't want to put in the exercise of his heart. And his heart was just in the wrong place. Jesus saved himself a lot of time 
by investing in somebody that didn't want anything to do with him. He just wanted an answer. I'm not saying you got to sell all the stuff you have. I'm saying that was, that was his issue. That was what was keeping his heart from Christ. What is yours? Because we all have something. What is in your heart that is keeping you from following Jesus with your whole heart? Jesus requires effort on our part. We need to exercise our heart and exercise our relationship with him. In John 9, there's a blind man. Jesus comes to this blind guy. He, he, he spits in the mud. You guys remember the story? How, how awesome and beautiful that was? Spitting in dirt, making mud pies, and shoving them in the guy's face. So cool of Jesus to do, right? I'm just thinking there's better ways. It's just me. I just think there might be a better way. Like, he didn't have to do that. You, you remember the centurion servant who was sick? Centurion sends his guys out. He's like, hell, tell Jesus to come here. Help me. I need, I need help. And if he comes, I know he'll save my servant's life. And Jesus, really, you know, was kind of on his way to go, go fix this dude. And goes back to, the, uh, to Jesus. He's like, you know what? Don't even bother coming. Because I know who you are and you could fix it right from here. And did Jesus heal that man? from a distance. He didn't even have to be in proximity. But here we got a guy with mud cakes on his eyes. And Jesus says, now go and uh, wash yourself in that pool. I'm thinking to myself, he's a blind man. Where is your heart? Mark 10, same, same kind of scenario. There's another blind guy. Only this time he's kind of off in the distance and Jesus knows he needs sight. He understands what's going on here. And he's like, uh, tell that guy to get over here. Jesus, he's blind. It would be nicer if you went to him and just healed him. Or heal him from here. In Mark 3, there's a guy in the temple and he's got a, uh, he's got a deformity in his hand. And back in those days, you know, those, they were shunned. I mean, you, you have something that, 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 that's, that's out of norm, you're kind of seen as an outcast. So I imagine this guy in the temple, just like in the corner. He, he wants to be there, but he's just kind of... And what does Jesus do? He's like, hey, get out here in front of everybody. Come out here in front of everybody. And he has them stand there, and then he's like, now, now show me your hand. And I'm making it sound a lot more crass than as I'm sure Jesus was really caring and compassionate about it. But the thought of making this guy come out in front of everybody and go, while Jesus heals him, just to, like, to me just seems like way over the top. But here's, here's the message in it. If you want Jesus, if you, if you want that heart, it's going to require something. It's going to require effort. It's going to require work on your part. You don't just get to sit there and assume that everything's going to happen. It requires exercise on our part. That's why Jesus spoke in parables all the time. You know that? Like, like he was, he'd share these stories and you're like, what? You're talking nonsense. Unless you really wanted to get in there, 
right? Like if you really wanted to understand what he was saying, then you'd stick around and you'd listen and you'd try and figure out what he was trying to say. But he weeded out the people that really had no interest. It's point A to point B. What can you do for me today? Where's my miracle? Show me something. Jesus is like, I'm not into that. You want a relationship with me? You want your heart worked out? You want the heart of my father? Then come, do this. But you're not going to get it on your own just sitting there. I have a, he'd ask questions, I hate, oh, Jesus. I can't stand how he does stuff sometimes. You know, you'd ask him a question, I'm, I'm so, everybody's like, I would love to be in Jesus' time, not me. I do not want to be around, I'd be worse than Peter. I'd be rebuked all the time. I'd be like, what are you talking about? But he'd ask questions in response to questions, right? I had this brother Growing up, a friend of mine was like, Dave, why do you always ask or a- answer my questions with questions? He said, do I? <laughs> I promise you that's a true story. True story. True story. I have a, uh, I have a mentor I, I meet with uh, every couple Fridays we have coffee. And um, I remember one of our first meetings and I just, I said, okay, here's my, here's my deal. I I wanted to get together with somebody outside of the, the, this church environment, and I just had a lot ruminating, you know what I mean? Like, I had a lot on my mind, and, but one of the questions I came to him with was this question, and uh, I said, here's, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to be, help me, what's your, what's your answer to that? He said, all right, let me think about it. I'm going to pray about it. When we get back together, uh, we'll talk. I'm like, all right. A couple weeks go by. I'm like, yes, Friday. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want my answer. And uh, I will not forget it because he handed me this sheet of paper and it had 10 questions on it. <laughs> had 10 questions on it. None of the questions had anything to do with what I asked. None. Not a one. I was like, oh my gosh, I asked the wrong guy to sit with me. But as time went on, like like, uh, on this sheet of paper, as we're working through questions, I'm answering these questions open and honestly, like as honest as I can be about it. I started to answer my own original question. I mean, I was a little disappointed at first, but I I get it. I get it. Uh, I was asking him how to get from point A to point B. You tracking with me? I was asking him how to get from point A to point B without doing any work. No exercise of my heart. I just wanted an answer. And I got so much more than that. So grateful. He was saying, look, this is not what either one of us signed up for. If you're going to exercise your heart, if you're going to do this thing, we're going to do it the right way. And I'm, I'm extremely appreciative to him for that. 
You guys remember uh, David, right? The little boy that, that, that was anointed king. They said in, the, in a scripture he had like these cool eyes and he was suntan and like really handsome. I mean, a lot of people mistake me for, uh, <laughs> not for David. No, son, I was just thinking about something else. But Scripture says he was a man after God's heart. A man after God's heart. What made him that way? I mean, what made David stand out? What makes him a man after God's heart? Because he was concerned about the things of God. He loved the Lord. That's all he cared about, is just doing what God wanted him to do, when he wanted him to do it. That's it. That's why he danced naked. He didn't care. Now, please, (laughs) don't try and show me how holy you are. Police will be called. Uh, I said we're going to make a a statement. I want to answer a question. This is the question. The question I want you to ask yourself is this. Am I content with just knowing the Lord? Or do I want the Lord to say, you are after my heart. And that, that person right there is after it, man. I want that. I I want it. I want it for me, but I want it for my family. I want it for all of you. John 10.10, Jesus says, I came so that you may have life and have it to the what? The fullest. Anybody in here not want life to the fullest? I'll take it. A lot of us in there, you know, we, we, we think we have this awesome life, but if we're not charging after the, uh, 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 the Lord's heart, you are not experiencing life to the fullest. You're not. I have no problem telling you that. Here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine the best, coolest beach you've ever seen. I don't care if you've been there. Or it's just one you've seen in a picture. You got it? Like the, 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 the turquoise waters, the emerald waters, like just beautiful beach, beautiful sand. You got that image? If one of you is imagining Orono Park, just no, just leave church right now. Get out. All right, open, oh, you can open your eyes. You guys have that visual? Because what I think about when I think, like, we're just content just knowing the Lord. I'm just, I'm all right. And we're complacent in the fact that we just, we know Him and we don't want to put in the work. You got this awesome ocean out there, right? It's beautiful. As far as you can see, glory and awesome and goodness. And you drag your little kiddie pool up on the sandy beach and you plop down in it, and you're just, woo, yay, while the ocean waves are just crashing in, and you're just content, splashing around in this little kiddie pool. And some of us, we've been in here so long, it's like changing colors, you know what I mean? Like yellow. You've been in there a long time. But this is, the, this is the visual that I get, and it's like, why are you content in that? 
Matthew 22, 38, or 34 through 38. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, testing Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your what? Love the Lord your God with all. Like I know the heart is broken up into sections. I learned a lot this week, man. I learned more than I want to know about the human heart. But I know this, you can't love him with a quarter of it. You can't love him with a hemisphere. It's got to be the whole thing. If you're a Christ follower in here, if you've made that decision, you do not have an option. You don't. This is a command from Jesus himself. Love the Lord your God with all of it. All of it. That's a command. It starts in the heart. Do you love the Lord that way? The question you need to answer is, am I content? Am I okay? Or do I, I just, I want, I want to be after that. I want, I want the Lord to say, you, you're a man or a woman after my heart. You make a statement answered a question, and now I want to make a decision here. The decision I want you guys to make is this, and, and I've made it for myself, so I, I already did it. The decision is that you're going to experience life to the fullest. This is, again, it's something that you've got to decide with the Lord, just you and the Lord. as nobody else. doesn't mean my, because I do it, my wife gets the benefit. No. She's got to do that. My kids have to do that. You all have to do that. Do you want it? Do, do you want that? I want life to the fullest. I don't know anybody that doesn't. You just have to put in the work. That's all. So how do we do that? How do we, you know, you know as you're reaching after Jesus and you're trying to learn more about him and his character and allowing him to mold your heart, how do we, how do, we do that? How do we get to that point? And it's, it's, it's not a mystery. It's really not a mystery. You, you all have best friends in here? You, the day you met that best friend, you were not best friends. You just weren't. It takes time. You have to invest in the, each other. You've got to find out what makes them tick, what hurts them, what helps them. You, you, it, it, it takes time and investment, an exercise. Same thing with the Lord. You got to take time to get to know Him. You got to spend time in prayer with Him, time in the Word with Him. And I just learned this this week, time in silence with Him. It's okay. I always thought, man, I got like my time, I got to be talking something or reading something. How are you going to hear him if you're always yapping away? Sometimes it's okay to just sit there and be quiet. If nothing happens, it's time alone. 
with him, allowing him to, to speak into your heart or just rest. Study him. Share with him what you're thankful for. Unload your garbage with him. That's how, that's how that relationship thing works. You got to be open and honest about it. Like when you're dumping your junk, when you're, when you're sharing your heart with him and it's one-on-one -on -one time, you're like, okay. This is a part of me that needs fixed. Like just don't go kicking around pebbles. I mean, you got to roll over those stones. Leave no stone unturned. God, oh, and this is wrong, and I'm feeling this way, and this hurts. And how do you want me to respond here? Like, you got to kick those things up, man, and look under them in the darkest places of your heart. You be open and honest, and I promise you, it's going to give you freedom. You're going to get freedom from it. But we got to be open and honest. Uh, I'm practicing the mentor, I'm, I'm practicing on being more open and honest about, wait, I mean, let's, uh, right, men in here, I get it. We're not the best at communicating. Women, am I right? Don't be afraid to, you can just say, yep, yep, yep. We don't know how to communicate stuff well. We don't, we don't know how to, how to convey certain things. I think it's just nature. And I think sometimes, in our relationship with the Lord, that pours over, especially for men. It's just like, that relationship can be awkward. Like, But men, as the spiritual leader of your house, you cannot allow that relationship to be awkward. We cannot allow that relationship to be awkward. I, uh, I read this book a while ago. I, I recommend it to all of you. But it's by an author called Donald Miller. You probably know him from books like Blue Like Jazz, Through Painted Deserts. Uh, the book is called Scary Close. And if you want a good read and it's an easy read, it has really helped me to uh, share my struggles, share what, what's on my heart, and not, not just with the Lord but with people. It's really helped. If you need help in that area of your life, I, 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 go pick that book up. It's a life changer. Again, Scary Close by Donald Miller. But it helped me to voice my struggles and how to be open and honest with, with, with God about all the stuff I have. All the things that dwell in this heart that I want to rid myself of. Is, it's really helpful for me, uh, a helpful read. And I, I'm sure it will be for you too. Um, but it... it it's all about being open and honest and sharing what's, what's real. It's going to give you freedom. I promise you that. And you're going to experience a grace like you've never experienced grace before. Because there's stuff you haven't revealed to him before. He can't give you grace unless you understand you've got an issue. Acknowledge it. Tell him. Believe it and know that it's all taken care of. Like it is. That's the kind of grace I need. Uh, my mentor's, you know, told me, appreciates how honest and open I am, but it's taken me 45 years. It's hard. 
but the freedom and the grace. It's worth it, man. We, we, we come to church and we talk about, I'm done, but we talk about how God is omniscient, right? We, first one, God is omniscient. Man, he knows everything. And none of us act like that. We know it, we trust it, we read it, it's truth. And then we want to walk around and act like it's not true. Like he doesn't know what's going on in here anyway. Why hold back an honest conversation with something he already knows about? How crazy is that? It's the first step of getting off the operating table. You can't get help from an issue you refuse to be honest about with the Lord. If you're honest about it and you share, I mean, you're going to, you know those hospital gowns they give you? Nice. Ironed, pressed, pleated. You're going to be able to take that thing off, get your street clothes on, and walk out of the ER a changed person changed person but you got to want it you have to believe that you've got a heart issue (laughs) you got to believe it i want to close with this revelation 3 20 and 21 we were there earlier right after his message to the uh, church in laodicea there's a hard message to hear But in verse 20, he does say this. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Do you want that? You imagine what that's going to look like? Just climbing up there on his lap like, I made it. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. That picture right there. Look at what he did so that you could be free from all your junk, all your stuff. I don't care what you came in here with. I don't care how black your heart is. That right there will cleanse every square inch of it. That right there. Let me close with 2 Thessalonians 3.5 if you're writing that down. Look it up. It's, it's, it's great. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. That's my prayer for all of us. For all of us. Jesus, we all have a heart condition. We can choose to acknowledge it or not, but it's there. You're the only physician we need to help our spiritual heart. You're it. You are the one who can change all of us. Lord, I ask that whatever shape people are in, whether, whether they just have the stethoscope or whether they're on open-heart surgery table, Lord, that they would, they would ask you to come in 
heal it, fix it, empty it out of all the garbage and fill it with your love, Lord, with your spirit, that they would be a new being, that they would desire to walk with you, that they would want the life to the fullest, that they're done with the kiddie pool, that they want the ocean waves. Do that work in me. Lord, we trust you and we love you and, and we know that because of your grace, we have, we have this relationship, direct access to the Father because of what you did on the cross and the stone that was rolled away to reveal nothing. Thank you for who you are, for loving us. Help us to love you better. In your name, amen. You are dismissed, church. Have an awesome week.